Okay, well, I want to welcome everyone back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite casual Hoya Georgetown podcast. And we are switching gears today. We're going back to soccer, football, or football. And we're so honored to have the defending men's national championship coach, Brian Weiss from Georgetown. Brian, the last time we spoke, it seems like it was it was ages ago, but you guys right now are the eighth seed in the NCAA tournament. You're preparing to play high point on Sunday at noon. And the, everything's a little bit different this year, obviously. So you're not hosting all these games are in North Carolina. What does it feel to be going back for a ninth time? And, you know, you guys have the bullseye on your back. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's good chatting with you again, Bobby. It's, it's, um, it's, it's different, right? In, in that we're playing in the spring. The timing's a little different. The rosters are very different from what you would normally expect. We're down, I think, seven seniors from what we would have normally had in the fall. Wow. We're in an interesting place in that we, we're in the process of, really reinventing ourselves as we go into our postseason. So for those out there who don't really sort of know the landscape of things, the MLS combine and draft happened in January, which is when it normally happens for the MLS season to start up, which has just started up the first couple of games have been this last week or two. And, and so the MLS teams drafted as per normal, like the players they want, but you know, the college season had been bumped from the fall into the spring and so there was this real conundrum about, well, what do we do about all these players who've been drafted? Are they, some of them went immediately into their teams. Yeah. And some like our guys, we had three, we had, we really had in essence, five pros out of our team. Right. So Sean, o, Sean O'Hearn, who, who didn't come back, he decided to graduate in January and not return for the spring and, and try to play. He got picked up by the revolution two team and he's playing away with them doing great. And then we had four players that were really trying to figure out like what to do. Derek Dodson and Rio Hope Gunn both got drafted in the first round by Orlando City. Paul Rothrock got drafted by Toronto. And uh, Jacob Montez wasn't draft eligible because his rights were owned by Portland. And so we had four guys who came back to us in January and were in a state of limbo trying to figure out what, what are they going to do? Are they going to play uh, their season with us? Are they going to be asked to be start their pro careers? And all, of, all four of them started with us and, and played you know, a good chunk of our season. Um, but then really at the very tail end of our regular season, we lost three of them to their pro opportunities. So Jacob Montes went to, to England to go on trial with a, a Premier League team uh, where he's over there right now doing well. And, and then um, Rio and Derek both are down, just, just got called down with Orlando City, signed their contracts and away they go. They're just, just in playing. And so that all happened about a week or two before the Big East tournament started, right? So it was right before our Big East tournament began and and these are these are three all-americans um right up the spine of your team that that left and so you go from guys who have a huge amount of experience huge quality uh captains two of them were captains and it was the right time for them to go it was the right decision to go you know it's it's all kind of made sense for this very unique situation but what is left us with is is a team where it's really a it's it's almost like starting up in preseason again with we have to really reestablish our leadership group we have to reestablish who's playing where and what the roles are. And we, we feel very young and it's kind of a fun time to see because we're good enough to win. Uh, these games are, we're lining up to play. Uh, and it's just, we've got a lot of guys who haven't necessarily done it. You know, this might be the first time some of these guys are doing it. So it's um, we're the eight seed going in people in basketball parlance. that would be like the equivalent of being like a two seed in the NCAA tournament. Right. We're sort of, yeah. Um, you're sort of in that realm. And, but the seedings don't really matter that much because nobody's playing at home. Everyone's it's just matchups with other teams that, that you line up with. But um, I think we feel we're actually really quite good with where we are and, and where we are as a team. Um, it's so different from where we, we were when we started in January and certainly very different from where we would have been um, if we had started up last August in 2020. It, you know, we're sort of in this area of a transition into next year's team with this current 2020 team 
it's a very odd sort of feeling in terms of in terms of where we are and and, and the group. But I think I think this group is very excited to, to get out and get playing and line up. You know, while we're the eighth seed, I think if we lined up against anybody in the country, I think everybody in our camp would expect to win the game. Were you able to kind of, I know you, you know, when you have your players there, your best players, you want to do that. Did you have a little bit of this in mind going forward, like trying to get guys minutes here and there? Yeah, a little bit, but it it was such a a tricky situation because they could have left at any time and they also could still be with us through the NCAA tournament. That was always always possible too. And so we, we just made the approach of like, listen, we want these older guys to just teach as much as they can to the young guys while we have them, right? It wasn't about, well, let's prepare for when they go. It's yeah. let's soak up what we have when we have them and, and, and let them, let them really transfer the culture of the program to the young guys while we, while, while they're here, you know, and, and I think they did a great job of that. I was really, really pleased with, with the growth of our freshmen from January to uh, where we are right now. End of April has been exceptionally uh, uh, high. And, it, and that's, that's, a, that's a tribute to these, these guys who, who, who've been here before they left. So obviously eight, one and two, you guys made the Big East final. I, I noticed, I couldn't help but notice all three of those games against Seton Hall. I mean, you had an overtime win, you had a, t- you had a draw, which is, you know, two overtimes in college. And then, you know, you lost by a goal. So pretty good season. I can't help but notice that, you know, all the non-conference games, you guys didn't play one non-conference game. Was there ever a point where you were concerned? Like, is this thing going to get off the ground? I mean, obviously basketball was happening. Other sports were happening. So you had to probably feel good, but was there ever a moment you're like, man, you know, GW, JMU, George Mason, um, was there any sort of anxiety there? um, Not really. I mean, I, I I mean, yes and no. Right. Like, because every game you sort of take as a, as a little bit of a gift, right. When it comes, because everyone can be canceled or postponed at any moment, either because of your own situation or your opponent's situation. And so, you know, I, I think it was, I think it was a real sort of dash of water to your face when, when we're on the bus heading to pit to play a preseason game, our last preseason game. And we had to turn the buses around because we had a positive uh, test. Uh, asymptomatic test and one kid that was it that was the, yeah. that was it just one kid with an asymptomatic um, uh, scenario but it knocked us out of three games because of the timing of that and so I think you kind of understood and we were very prepared for that I think our players were prepared for that you know emotionally and mentally and all that but it's, it doesn't make it any easier when when you lose games and you've been waiting so long to play them yeah. And so, like I said, very successful season. You guys were ranked high all year, but there was no non-conference games. And just like you guys have lost pros, I'm sure, you know, a lot of the other top seeds, the NCAA seeds, the top eight for people that don't know that. So you're not the only team that has lost. How hard do you think it was to see this tournament when the non-conference games were so few and far between? And particularly for you guys, you didn't play any. I think I think it's incredibly hard to see the tournament. I, I mean, I, I think it's, it's harsh on us that we were an eight seed. And I think we were yeah. an eight seed because... They looked at us and said, oh, we well, lost three All-Americans, which fair enough, right? I think. Sure. Um, but they had to kind of look at everybody and be like, well, who's good this year, right? You, you, yeah. uh, American, my old assistant, uh, Zach Samuel, who, who this is his second year in American, they just won the Patriot League. Yeah. And, but they did it playing four games, right? They, they played four games yeah. to qualify for the Patriot League tournament. Then they played the semifinal final. They played a total of six games, I think it was. Six, <laughs> maybe seven games. That was it. And so how do you determine, like, let's say they lost in the final – are they good enough to be an at-large team? Who the heck knows, right? right. Nobody wants that. And so the tournament, I think, I think the tournament field is actually pretty good, all things considered. I think the committee weighed a lot of the stuff on regional advisory groups of coaches that sort of had an understanding of who was good and who was, you know, their record is maybe deceptive one way or the other. 
Um, so I actually think they did a, a, a remarkably good job considering how difficult, um, you know, I, I, the NCAA for basketball and soccer and a lot of sports now really lean heavily on the RPI, right? They, they have this mathematical formula that they can, they can kind of justify a lot of things with. Yeah. It was mathematically irrelevant this year. Like they had to throw it in the trash, be like, yeah, it's useless. So now we have to actually figure out who looks good, who's got a good team, who's, you know, and, and, and who's, who's a real contender. So I, I think they did a, I think they did a really good job. And, and the Big East got three teams in Seton Hall, who's a legitimate contender this year. Um, you know, they they we as you say we played them three times, and each one of them was a was a super tight little uh, contest. And and uh, uh, but they're I think a six seed overall. They're they're having a great run. They could they could get to a College Cup. Uh, Marquette won the Midwest Division. They, they got a fun team this year. So it's it's great that the, the Big East was well represented with with three teams getting in. I think that was about right. You guys cannot meet the Pirates for a fourth time unless it is for all the marbles. That'd be fun. We'll take it. We'll take <laughs> it. Yeah, we'll take it. It was interesting because it was the, the third time we played them, the one we lost in the in the final was maybe the best we played against them. I think we, we got a real handle on who they who they are and how, how they want to play and what they want to do. We actually probably performed the best, even though we lost the game. Um, and, and so you know, it's it's when you play a team three times, it's, it's tough, right? Like it's, it's hard for both teams to, to manage that. Um, but it's, um, you know, it it, 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 it'd be fun to see how, how the Big East does in the, in the tournament and how we all can kind of navigate through this. But I think Seton Hall is, you know, they were a power in the eighties. Like they were an amazing soccer power in the eighties. And it's really, it's really been about 30 years since they've, they've gotten to the top. So, I mean, they, that's the first Big East title they won in 30 years as a program. And, you know, and it snapped a lot of streaks for us. I think we went 903 days as what I was told between our last Big East loss and that one, right? It's, it's a, it's a um, three Big East tournament titles. We were going for our fourth in that game. You know, it was 27 games in a row we hadn't lost. And so our group is very much a group that's used to winning. And so, you know, it'd be interesting to see if, if Seton Hall can use that, that sort of run to catapult themselves into a good run themselves of being a contender for the big East, which they just haven't been for, for years. So uh, it's fun to see them coming back up into, into the uh, relevance in our conference. And, uh, and then, you know, from our point of view, it's, you know, uh, how, how motivated are we to, um, to, to start up these new streaks again? Right. I mean, how, we, we, our group is used to winning and uh, winning's a habit in programs very much and, and, and losing can be a habit. It's on the flip side of that as well. Um, so I, I think, I think our group feels like every game we walk into, we should, we should actually win. So that it's a nice to have that feeling, even though we're reinventing ourselves very much in terms of like who we are going in, we have to change our shape a little bit because of the departures of these guys. We have to sort of, you know, use, use the, this two week window we have before the tournament starts to, to, to really, uh, craft a, a, our, our identity, but the, but the, the level of confidence that the guys have going in is, is great uh, regardless. So. Speaking of reinventing yourself, you know, we talked about the players that have left for the casual fans, no pun intended, that kind of last were following you guys in the College Cup, which seems like so long ago now. Who are some of your more important players? How does this Georgetown team play? We're still very similar to what we've always been, right? We press well, okay. well, well. I would argue we have the best goalkeeper in the country in Giannis Nicopolitis, which helps, right? So if, <laughs> that's if, pretty good. If you do have to absorb a little bit and have moments, which I think if you have a little bit of a younger team going into a tournament setting, you're going to need your goalie to, to have some consistency there. It's like hockey, right? If your if your goalkeeper in hockey starts playing out of his mind, they can win. Yeah. Right. Just that, that alone. So, uh, but I do think we have a goalkeeper that everyone believes in and is, is playing really well right now. So, 
that's helpful. And then, you know, we have we have a, a back four that's very new from the College Cup uh, team from 2019, but they're pretty established guys in a funny way. They're kind of new at a lot of sophomores. There's a freshman in there. And then, and then we've had to move Sean Zawoski back uh, to play in there, but we're trying to create a, a, a system crafted where we can push Sean Zawoski back into the midfield in the attack. So we're a little, we, we get him where we need him in the defense to fill the gaps of the departure of Rio of gun. Yeah. Um, but you know, the hard thing is, is, is if you have Dante Polvara, um, who's the biggest midfielder of the year, and then Sean Zawoski, uh, when they play side by side, they boss midfields, absolutely boss games. And so um, we have the best midfield in the country when those two guys are playing together. And so we're trying to sort of, we're trying to maintain that um, advantage when, with, when we have possession of the ball. And then when we lose it, we really have to get Sean back to help in the back line. So Zawoski is a hugely important player, but you know, we, we have, we have two, we have two future pros right there in, in Polvara and, and Zawoski in the center of the midfield. And once a sophomore, once a junior, and they're, you know, they run it, they run it. So we're, we're going to, they really need to be the, the hub of all the spokes for how we, you know, the more we can get them on the ball, the more we can get them involved, the more they, they, they go, they just, they, they make things tick for us. So um, having them in the middle of the park really wants us to have the ball and keep it and, and go through them as much as we can. So th- th- those are, those are the key pieces. So, uh, you know, I printed out the game notes from your last game. I try to do as much research as I can. I follow you guys on Twitter yourself. You're not really a big Twitter guy, but I do. I'm not, I I don't. So I don't say this, I'm not asking this question out of not doing some due diligence, but I know, you know, a lot of sports we see where guys will come in early. Did you have any freshmen enroll early because of the weird season or no? No, Mm -mm. no, they're all, it felt like they all enrolled sort of, in January, right? Because even though they've been taking classes all fall, yeah, yeah. they weren't here. We weren't training and we weren't working with them. So they all enrolled late is best okay. way. Like it feels like they all sort up late and like, hey, we're jumping right into it and away we go. I mean, they've, they've kind of all lost a semester of development or work with us in our system. It's something that, that we typically don't have a lot happen, but it's happened once or twice in our program. But one of our kids coming in next year in the 2021 class might do it where he defers a semester. So in a funny way, he'd almost enroll a little bit late. Oh, okay. um, that'll be done for a variety of reasons um finances being a big one but it's um typically guys roll in and it's like all right off you go you got two weeks to to figure it out and start playing yeah no those games are usually at the end of august so it's yeah. it's going before people realize yeah. you guys i want to say last year before you made the the final you know you got to play all these games at home how different is it going to be playing them all in north carolina and if you guys keep advancing is it something where you guys are just going to be posted up down there yeah so it's it's not that we're bubble. I think people say the word bubble, like the men's basketball term was bubbled in Indiana. And I think yeah. they really were. I think there was, there was so much money at stake to play those games. Right. Those, those kids and those, those coaches were like, were bubble, were like literally it's like Saran wrap their door shut. So nobody could get out and in or whatever. Right. Um, for us, it's not so much that we're bubbled down there. It's just that we're based down there. Right. So we'll have more freedom to sort of um, leave the hotel and do things. We, we, have, we have to be awfully careful in, in, in our COVID protocols um, as well, but it's, it's, it's much less um, uh, uh, strict, I think, than what was going on with basketball, but everything is based on there. So we, we start off, we play high point on Sunday in the second round. So we got to buy into the second round to play high point. Um, first round games are going on on Thursday. Um, and, and, and if you win your first game, then we move, uh, 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 that game's going to be in uh, just outside Charlotte, right? So we'll have to go, we'll go down to Charlotte. We'll play that game. Uh, and then if you win, then you migrate everybody 
Um, some games are, are, are in Winston-Salem, some, some are in Wilmington, some are in Raleigh, some are in Charlotte, some are in Greensboro. Um, but those, those first two rounds that get played, so the, the, the Thursday games and then, and then the second round games on Sunday, whoever gets past Sunday, everyone then moves to Raleigh to carry. And the rest of the tournament will be, will be played at where we won the, the, the national championship at that, that complex in, in, uh, in, in Cary, Wakemead Park. And it, it's kind of a fun environment in, in a way in that all of the games are there. So, you know, Hopefully you, there's better weather. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Let's hope, right. Let's hope <laughs> not monsooning. Uh, honestly. It's pretty fun because they game, they, there'll be games going on at noon and at three and at five. it's almost like a festival. You know, you have and, and, and they allow fan, fans, which would be really nice, too. We haven't, you know, D.C. hasn't allowed us to have fans in any of our games here at home. So, you know, our fans, our parents, our families, uh, alums haven't really been able to see us play in person. It's been a lot of stuff online. So I think the nice thing is the NCAA is, is broadcasting all the games. I think they got a streaming thing going for every single game through their website. But then people can come down. I think they have 25 percent capacity for games. Um, so it might be a fun, uh, it, a very different, unique one-off thing, but it might be kind of fun to have, you know, eight games going on over the run of the day because everyone will play at the same time. I think if uh, it would be Thursday, the 6th of May will be that third round game. That could be a really fun environment um, for people who, who like college soccer. Yeah, I, I worked an NBA game last night. First time I'd been there with fans. I've done some Nats games recently. It makes a big difference. Yeah. It makes a big difference. So that's going to be, you know, a much better environment. So high point, you guys are playing high point. I know what kind of goes on a little bit for basketball. Like how much do you guys, cause you didn't play in non-conference, how much do you guys have to scout for your opponent? Do you focus more on what you need to do? Well, how does it go for soccer? And then when you look at your bracket where, you know, Clemson's up top, like how much do you kind of put in towards those teams? Like what goes into preparing for the tournament on, from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, we, we'll, we'll, we'll watch a lot of games of High Point. We have a really good handle on High Point, and they're good. I mean, they're a fun team. I think they're leading the country in goals per game. they got some really fun attacking players. They transition wonderfully well. Um, they're, they're a good team, and they, they won, uh, uh, won their conference, uh, Big South, pretty comfortably. Um, I think they have a 12-1 record. I mean, they're, they're, they're sort of steamrolling through their, their neck of the woods down there. So it's going to be a really tough game. It'd be a fun game. I think to play, it's really fun when you play teams, you have no, yeah. like, you know, you establish a little bit of a, uh, of a connection with, with the team. They don't know us. I mean, they're probably just trying to figure us out as well at the same time. So we, we, we got, we got a lot of game video of them and, and trying to figure out like how we can match up well. And, and, um, and so we're sort of, we're sort of doing the hybrid of like, we got to sort our own backyard out hugely yeah. to win five games in a row. I mean, I think I do mean that. Like, I think the number one overall seeds Clemson. I think if we lined up and played Clemson tomorrow, we'd feel really good. I actually, we would all expect to win that game. Um, and Clemson's a good team. So like, you'd have to be good and all those things, but we would be disappointed to lose that game. But you're, you're good too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> the trick is the trick is not, not being good enough. The trick is being good enough for five games in a row. And, and and understanding that we don't have the normal depth you have, understanding that the games come, you're playing good teams, but can you win five in a row? And 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 um, you know that's going to be, I think, whoever wins it is going to have to navigate that really well. I think all of us, and Clemson's and the uh, the Wake Forests and the Stanford's and the Indianas, we're all we're all sort of operating a little bit differently than we normally do. All of us have rosters that are thinner than we normally have. Um, uh, the vast majority of the, the perennial sort of top 10 teams have lost key pieces to the pros, like just like we have in some respect, in some respect. Is it uh, weird to not see Virginia in this bracket? 
Oh, it was great. Yeah, I, I, I'm <laughs> celebrating that. Well, they, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's great. Virginia, Virginia is a team that, that we can take a break from. I have any time to take a break from those guys in the tourney. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you know, it's not surprising that 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 you know some some teams like Virginia. I mean, Virginia got decimated by people leaving early. Absolutely yeah. decimated by it. So, you know, if they had made the tournament this year, it would have been the it'd been the best coaching job in the, in the country uh, to get them back into it based on who they had and who who they lost. So, not surprising. It was really not surprising. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for our time. Before you leave, I know you're very busy, and we're so happy to have you here as you prepare the Hoyas to defend their national championship. I have to ask you your thoughts on the Super League, what you thought about it, if you paid attention at all. I know you were over in England with the championship side in the offseason. And then more specifically, college-related, to me, it really reminded me of conference realignment that we all went through. Like, obviously, there's still ripple effects of conference realignment, but there was that big seismic shift in 2013. And, you know, you lost, like, Syracuse and West Virginia and different soccer teams that you guys were playing against. So, so Super League thoughts, and then just did it remind you of conference realignment? Uh, yeah, it does. That's, that's not a bad analogy. Like, I think Americans who don't understand sort of what, why that was such a big deal, it's because our system is so different, right? Then, yeah. So, you know, the Super League concept was a group of teams who said, "Hey, um, we are can and have the the marketing muscle and the the star power muscle, and we're just gonna we're gonna create our own little thing." So instead of having a Champions League where we we qualify for, we're always gonna play in that. This group of I don't know what it was twelve teams. We're we're all going to play in that, and then we'll invite another like four or five who can qualify. Yeah. They can qualify in, so it's it's open to everyone. Kind know, of, you know, except for it's really not. And <laughs> and and it it's it, it it was so goes so much against how people think of sport over uh, in in Europe that it you know rightly was was shot down really quickly by the fans and and universally condemned because. Everything gets earned. Everyone plays at the level they play at because they've won their way up there or they've lost their way down there. It's not, it's not like the U.S. where all the Major League Baseball teams have bought their way into playing in the top level and they're, they're, they're there to stay. No matter how bad they are, they're always playing in that. In, in Europe, if you're terrible, you just go down to the next level. You go to AAA baseball. And if yeah. you're bad again, you go to AA baseball. Like You sort of earn your, your stripes. And so having something where you don't have to qualify for, you know, world cup, there's the only group that ever the country that ever automatically goes is the host country on that year. Yeah. Everyone else has to win their way into that competition. It's just, it's just, it's just very uh, different. And if you, if you, to make the, the analogy of it, it's almost like it, it's, it's where people have a hard time with like with Notre Dame's football situation, right. With the, with the, they they sort of have created this nice niche where they get sort of these little exceptions to get into um, the potential national championship that no one else gets as an independent. So, so there's a Notre Dame clause they kind of like created for themselves just because it's Notre Dame and they have the marketing wherewithal and they have the, the thing, but it's also the power five things was purely a money grab for marketing for TV rights. And yeah. they guarantee themselves just by being in a conference, just by being a part of the, the PAC 12 or just by being a part of the big 10, or the ACC, they've guaranteed themselves a financial windfall every year, no matter how good or bad they are, right? And so that is a really good analogy for what the Super League was more or less trying to do. It was like it was like a four hundred million dollar windfall per club. 
is what that was gonna that was gonna sort of shake out to. It was it, it was it was unbelievable. It and 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 so you know it would have killed a lot of things, would have changed a lot of things. But thank goodness, thank goodness that was you know it was like two days of of, uh, of uproar and and it looks like it's been sort of brushed brushed aside. And and thank goodness, right? Is one of the great things about soccer, I think, across the world is that. Um, and then again, uh, the U.S. is different. MLS they can be terrible, and they they'll always be an MLS team. Um, and that, like, I think a lot of people over in, in Europe or England sort of don't understand that, right? They're like, well, I, why aren't those teams dropping down to the USL level if they lose? Or why aren't the USL teams able to to, to qualify up into an MLS season? I would love that. It'd be great. Oh, it'd be fantastic. It'd be great fun. It'd be great. I, I, I just think it's hard. You can't. It's just hard. Like, hey, you're going to – you've paid all this money. At, you know, let's say Cincinnati. They recently joined. You know, you paid all this money for a club. And it's like, oh, by the way, if you're bad – next year you have to play, you know, at Richmond and, you know, and they're like, well, this doesn't sound great for us, you know? Yeah. So yeah. unfortunately yeah. it doesn't seem likely, but I just love that model. And I'm glad that as a fan of one of the teams that was part of it, I just thought, and you know, I follow Arsenal. I was just like, this is embarrassing. You guys are like 10th right now in the EPL and you want to be part of this. This is just nonsense. So it's, it's, it's good. It kind of got nipped in. It'd be interesting to see if there's a fallout really from it at all, but it's uh um, it's just a product of these leagues being hundred, hundred plus years old. And so before the money got to where it was the structure for it made a lot yeah. of sense. And now in the U S everything's so new. And as you say, these owners, these owners aren't going to want to invest, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars to invest into an MLS club to start up if they might, you know, in a one year's time be playing, you know, playing, playing in Richmond, you know, in front of 2000 people versus, versus 60,000. Right. So, um, it makes sense. I mean, it makes, it makes economic sense and I, I get it, but it's, you know, it, um, I always fantasize that baseball might go that way because it's already kind of in place, right? You can you have a bad team and they go down to AAA. I mean, how awesome would that be? Boston Red Sox are playing in, in the, the Albuquerque Isotope Stadium, you know, because they didn't have a great year. Be awesome. Well, I, I think the Orioles might be spending some time in AAA if uh, that were to come about. And, you know, locally, if the NFL went that way, I think Washington would probably be in NFL 2 or whatever you want to call it. It would be, but you got to earn your way out of that. Yeah, you got to earn your way out of it. It's great. Yeah. Well, I just like I said, I, I couldn't have you on here and not at least ask your thoughts on the Super League as one of the one of the you know most successful NCA coaches right now. And for everyone that doesn't know, obviously, if you've been listening, you do know, but Georgetown will be defending. They are the number eight seed in the tournament. They will be going against High Point starting to defend their crown. Brian, I want to thank you so much for all of your time. I know that you're very busy and if you guys get on a little bit of a roll here, you know, it'd be great to talk to you again, but I know that I don't want to take your time as everyone's rooting for the Hoyas to, you know, get that back to back and, you know, where you've put Georgetown men's soccer is just such a great place. I know I like to call it a soccer school um, because of what you guys and the women's program have done um, in the last, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. So. And I tell you, if we can get uh, down there and, and uh, Dave Nolan's groups, uh, they're bubbling, sort of speak in North Carolina as well. So we, we, we're hopeful um, if we both can win a game, we might be able to, to 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 cheer on each other while we're down there. It might be a lot of fun. So they they got a they got a fun team. Dave's done an amazing job getting them uh, back into into the tournament. I think they're a 13 seed, so they're set up really well uh, to go on a run. So we'll we'll see. It'd be, it'd be great if we we've we've shared college cups, right? We got yeah. there in 2012. They got there in 2016, 2018. We got there obviously in 2019. It'd be great if we both could find a year where we both get to. To a college club, let alone let alone one where where it's it's housed in the same venue at the same time. That would be pretty special. Yeah, no, and this the the video is not going to be up, but I want to let everyone know behind Coach Weiss right now. It's just there's just 
jersey after jersey of all the guys that have played professionally so it's pretty cool it's like over there in um mcdonough where they've got i guess maybe now it's in the thompson center but where they've got all the nba jerseys up so it's pretty cool what you guys have established and uh i hope to talk to you soon and hopefully you guys have a successful run and we'll have to get in touch all right thanks bobby always a pleasure talking to you anytime thanks i appreciate it all right that's it for today's episode of kente corner a reminder that if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet please go ahead and do so when you have the chance it helps us out over here right now you can find kente corner on apple Spotify, Google, and iHeartRadio. And here's your second homework assignment. If you haven't rated or reviewed us recently, that would also be much appreciated. Hopefully you like what you're hearing, but if you have ideas or suggestions for future show topics or guests, you can message me on Twitter at my name, at Bobby Bancroft. We'll be back, but until then, check out at Casual Hoya and at Bobby Bancroft for your Georgetown off-season needs.